Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another Blaney's podcast. We have with us as our guest, David McKenzie, in our beautiful Blaney's podcast studio. I, I, I had no idea this room even existed. Well, there you go. <laughs> we have uh, a number of uh, resources at this place that nobody knows exists. So David is here to talk to us about uh, cyber risk, insurance issues, and um, general issues for uh, everyone who is in the process of using their computer for any purpose whatsoever. What can go wrong? How can we protect ourselves? What insurance is available to the business people? What do insurers have to worry about in terms of insuring the risk? So there are a lot of different issues and facts that we need to discuss with you today, David. But let's start off with the fundamentals. What is cyber risk in insofar as you're concerned? Well, first off, thanks for inviting me to do this. I appreciate it. Um, cyber risk is one of those terms that uh, it, it probably requires um, a fair bit of consideration. Uh, we, we tend to throw it around without thinking through all the real ramifications of it because virtually every aspect of modern commercial business uh, has some aspect of cyber risk to it. Uh, and particularly in the insurance industry, we started selling things called cyber policies. But cyber policies don't necessarily cover the whole gamut of cyber risk, and nor can they. Uh, and so when we think about um, cyber risk, particularly in terms of insurance, I think we do need to broaden our focus as to the real scope of the risks we're talking about. Uh, a cyber risk can arise under not simply what we call a cyber insurance policy, but also a property policy, a liability policy, an errors and omissions policy, a director's and officer's policy. All of these areas create cyber risk and have to be developed uh, and understood in a holistic way if we're properly going to protect, uh, from the insurer's point of view, our policyholders, and from a policyholder's point of view, their businesses from really the risks posed by uh, the modern electronic society. When we hear in the news these days of... Um data breaches or uh, privacy issues that are uh, that sort of make the news and make the headlines. Tell me something about what these entail and whether these are the only risks that we have to be concerned about. Well, th they're, they're certainly far from the only risks we need to be concerned about, but they are the risk that gets the most press because in a lot of ways they're the most interesting. Um, a data breach or uh, a privacy loss um, a privacy incident uh, can occur in any number of forms. We like to think about it in terms of movies and television shows where people are hacking into other people's computers and stealing sensitive information. And, and that certainly happens. But that is far from the only kind of data breach, privacy loss, and it may not even be the most prevalent form of data breach or privacy loss. There, there's a lot of human elements to these losses as well. Uh, it's as simple as misplacing a computer that had personal information on it that was unencrypted. If the company can't find a computer with personal information on it um, that it knows exists, it's had a data breach. It, it has lost control of personal identifiable information and it's potentially liable under uh, the laws of any number of jurisdictions for having done that. And so hacking is a big risk. And it's a risk that people are taking a lot of time to protect themselves against. But it's far from the only risk. Well, let's talk about some of the other risks that perhaps are, are not as newsworthy but are uh, important from a risk point of view. What else can happen 
in respect of the use of e-commerce or the Internet or computer technology, uh, which can cause large amounts of uh, damages and, uh, and monetary issues. Think about where you would be on any given day if your computer stopped working. Um, or if any element of your computer stopped working, if you didn't have access to your email for five or six hours or a day, or if you lost access to important files because uh, your system had to be taken down. Uh, Those incidents cause uh, a great deal of disruption in the day-to-day operations of just about any business that that they happen to. And they can have nothing to do with data breach. Um, It can have nothing to do with privacy risk. It could be that there is some flaw in the system or that uh, a rogue employee has decided to take down the system. There is insurance coverage for that, that nobody, well, that that people tend not to think about when they're buying cyber risk policies. There's business interruption coverage. There's cyber extortion coverage. There's contingent business interruption coverage. And so there's, uh, in terms of losing access to your computer system, there's a lot of informa- a lot of insurance coverage out there to protect you against those losses, and they don't uh, necessarily have anything to do, as I say, with a privacy breach. They could arise out of a privacy a privacy breach uh, if uh, a system is getting hacked um, and it has to be taken offline. Then they're related. But if it's just some flaw in the system or uh, you know some other problem, it, it may not have to do with privacy breach. Now, David. I presume, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that an insurance company will not just throw you a policy if you call them up on the phone and say, I need a uh, business interruption insurance, uh, I need uh, a cyber risk insurance, I need a general liability insurance, I run a big e-commerce site, and uh, we need to be able to ensure that uh, we don't suffer any damages if we, if we go down. What typically does a broker, an insurance company, do before they write a risk or provide a policy? Well, it's an interesting area for underwriters uh, because there isn't a lot of actuarial history for most of this coverage. Uh, and, and so it's challenging for them. They can't simply look at the profile of your business and say, this is the policy and the premium uh, that we're going to charge to issue coverage to you because they don't have a model, or at least they are still building their model. And so they do have to ask a lot of questions or, or they give you a policy without much coverage. The kinds of questions they want to know are the nature of the information you have uh, and hold. Uh, Is it high-risk information? Is it valuable information to somebody? Um, Are you somebody that uh, people are going to target? Or is the information that you have less sensitive? What is the level of security that you have for your systems? What is the level of training that you have uh, given your employees? They're, they're all questions that an underwriter is going to want to know and can influence, A, the coverage you get, and B, the premium they charge you for, for obtaining it. Different underwriters have different underwriting forms um, and different underwriting questions. They ask based largely on the form of coverage they're writing because no cyber policy is standard. Nobody has the same wording as everybody else. And nobody is offering the same coverage as everybody else. And so from an insurance point of view, they will have a different risk profile than every other underwriter. And so while we can speak generally of the things they want, depending on the coverage that an underwriter is presenting, uh, they may have some fairly specific questions. Where would a, a, a typical businessman get the information that he, that he needs in order to get the proper coverage? 
Well, it's a cooperative process. Uh, it's an emerging area of insurance. And so uh, everybody involved is, to some extent, learning as they go along. The best source of information for uh, a business to get uh, information about the coverage they need is through their broker. Um, brokers are, like the rest of us, learning not simply the product but the risks. But the learning curve is steep. Brokers are getting better and better um, at assisting their clients in obtaining not simply the insurance they need but also identifying the insurance they don't. Because a lot of policies being issued by insurance companies are very broad and contain a lot of different insuring agreements. Not every company is going to need every insuring agreement that an insurer is offering. And so really it is the broker who should guide uh, people in obtaining their insurance coverage. But at the same time, that needs to be done in conjunction with technical experts. So uh, the IT department of any given business will actually probably play a fairly significant role in identifying the coverage needed and the risks that an operation is presenting. There is a area of expertise that most um, entrepreneurs probably don't have, which is the necessary under- technical understanding of the issues of software, issues of hardware, um, issues of connectivity, and uh, third-party uh, liability. Where would a business person, before they get insurance, maybe as part of their risk management, uh, find the qualified people to assist him in ensuring that his um, computer network, his internet, uh, is protected well, th- there's all sorts of consultants uh, out there who do specialize in uh, network security um, and uh, setting up not simply systems in respect of computers, networks, but also the human element, training employees as to how to properly uh, protect themselves against phishing emails, uh, for example, or not to use USB keys uh, on uh, uh, computer systems, because those those are the ways that uh, nefarious programs will often find their way into somebody's computer system. And so there are security consultants uh, out there in the market. Certainly, uh, Blaney's uh, is familiar with a number of them and can help advise people uh, in respect of finding the right people to fit their business to assist them in protecting themselves against uh, malware. Um, and other nefarious elements of the Internet. David, what happens from an insurance point of view when there is um, a malfunction, a data breach at the uh, offices of the insured? What does the insurance company do to address that issue? Well, first, an insurance company needs to be told about um, this incident. And this is a critical thing that everybody needs to understand on both sides, is that Information risk, information technology risk, um, cyber risk happens at a much faster pace than most other losses. A construction loss may be developing over a period of months or years. Uh, A basic property loss may be happening over a period of months or years. A cyber loss can happen in seconds. It can develop in a number of hours, and it can be catastrophic in a day. Uh, And so everybody needs to be acting much more quickly in the area uh, of cyber loss than they would in just about any other aspect of their business. 
And so when a business does suffer any form of cyber loss, they need to get their insurance company on the phone right away and let them know so that the insurance company can have the opportunity to react to it. At the same time, the insurance company needs to be prepared up front as well. Uh, This isn't a situation where you can sit back and wait for two weeks and see how the loss sorts itself out and then give your insured a position. You need to be, as an insurer, responding immediately. And so, for example, in in this circumstance of a data breach, if a company realizes that it has suffered a data breach, and particularly if it's still ongoing, one of the very first things it needs to do is call its insurance company let its broker know so the broker can call the insurance company. And the insurance company, in turn, needs to respond immediately to advise the insured of its expectations as to how the insured is going to respond to that breach. Many information and information technology policies offer a wide range of services to insureds suffering, uh, particularly a, a data breach or a hacking event, that are really quite valuable. And the insurance companies have, for the most part, got people in place uh, to respond immediately. Uh, This includes a breach coach. It includes technical expertise. It includes people who specialize in notification of people whose information has been lost, credit monitoring, public relations people. They have a team of people that they can send in immediately to assist an insured uh, with a breach situation. Breach coach is an interesting term I've never heard before. Well, what is a breach coach? A breach coach is almost always a lawyer, and it's a lawyer who specializes particularly in uh, privacy law with a good understanding of technology. They are there to essentially be the captains of the ship. Uh, They provide the ability of uh, attaching privilege to just about everything that's done, or at least the possibility of privilege to just about everything that's done, and they guide the response. And so they work as a team with technical people to determine uh, what has happened, what caused this breach, how it's happened, whether or not it's still happening, how to stop it from happening, prevent it from happening again, and determining what information is lost. And once that's determined, they can make a reasoned assessment of the quality and nature of the information lost and build a response plan to determine what uh, what steps need to be taken, um, whether or not people's personal private information was lost and they need to be notified, whether or not sensitive commercial information was lost, uh, and work through the ramifications of that. When the breach coach is appointed, um, who does he act for? Well, the breach coach acts for both the insurer and the insured. The breach coach is there to respond to the breach itself and to guide the insured through the process of responding to that breach. But in so doing, the breach coach is representing both the interests of the insurer, who's going to be ultimately liable, most probably, uh, and the insured, who's responding to the breach. But both the insurer and the insured need to understand that the breach coach is not acting exclusively for them. And they may have their own independent interests in the policy uh, that the breach coach is not there to protect. And so while the breach coach is a lawyer, um, the breach coach is not necessarily protecting everybody's legal interests. There may be exclusions that apply uh, in a policy. There may be conditions which apply in a policy. 
Uh, and given the nature of a breach and how fast it occurs, one may not know whether or not that exclusion or that condition is going to apply until much later uh, in the investigation. And so both sides need to understand that while the breach coach is working to prevent and protect, the breach coach ultimately isn't going to protect the legal interests in the policy. And so both sides need to also engage uh, coverage counsel if the breach is serious enough or if there's questions that are serious to represent their own legal rights in respect of the insurance policy. We hear about a term called the Internet of Things. Can you tell us what that means and how that impacts issues of risk? The Internet of Things is, to some extent, it's amorphous. It might be your dishwasher. It might be your clothes dryer. It's certainly your television these days. Everything increasingly is Internet-facing, which means that it has a link to the Internet and it's communicating data and information uh, back and forth. So if your dishwasher uh, is having a malfunction, um, you can use the uh, Internet to essentially hook into the diagnostics uh, of the manufacturer. And the manufacturer can diagnose what's wrong with your dishwasher uh, remotely and potentially repair it remotely. But the upshot of that is that there's a lot of data flying back and forth. Uh, and a lot of information can be collected from your dishwasher, your refrigerator, your television that is personal to you. It, it gives uh, corporations, manufacturers, a window into your life potentially. And creating that data creates obligations on the part of the person collecting it, how they can use that information, what they can and cannot keep, who they can and cannot sell it to, what anal analysis they can and cannot make of it. And so the collection of data in and of itself creates a whole new category of risk that probably didn't exist before. And it's a category of risk that's becoming increasingly regulated as people become more and more aware of how much information they're really putting out into the, the electronic world. It's funny you should mention that because I believe one of the uh, breaches that occurred uh, with Target was uh, through the HVAC or air conditioning system. Am, am I getting that right? That's my understanding, yes. So it was, uh, <laughs> it was their air conditioner that caused the, uh, the data breach. Right. Um, the hackers, I guess, I understand, were searching for weaknesses in Target's system. Uh, and the biggest weakness they found, um, and I'm going exclusively on media reports on this one as opposed to any <laughs> personal knowledge, was through uh, the HVAC and air conditioning company because Target had outsourced that service uh, to uh, a service provider. And, and that service provider was providing HVAC and air conditioning to essentially all targets across the United States and I think in Canada as well. And, and so needed to do that through uh, an electronic connection. That electronic connection had a, essentially got a hole through the firewall and uh, hackers exploited that hole through the firewall to get in behind the firewall and to expose uh, the financial information that uh, they ultimately wanted to obtain. One of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was now the uh, the use of iCloud technology to store data. I presume that that hasn't made the risk any less uh, significant by using uh, iClouds. No, if anything, it's made it more significant. 
uh, anytime you are losing control of your own data, um, anytime you're putting data into somebody else's hands, you are putting it at risk. Uh, there are certainly cloud service providers who provide very considerable uh, security protections and, in fact, security protections that an individual business may not in and of itself be able to afford. But if we learned anything from the celebrity hacking uh, incidents of, uh, I guess, this past spring or summer, those are anything but infallible. And so anytime you are putting data into somebody else's hands, you have to regard it as a risk uh, that you're taking on and calculating whether or not that risk is really worth um, engaging in. Most cloud computing contracts are very one-sided. Cloud uh, service providers tend not to take on any liability themselves. And so if you have somebody's personal data and you store it in the cloud and the cloud loses that data into uh, the hands of people of ill will, you are potentially liable and you may not have recourse to suing your cloud service provider, notwithstanding that it was them that breached security standards and not you. David, the more we speak about this topic, the more risks there appears to be in the use of uh, the Internet, the computers, and IT generally. I know it's hard to uh, condense everything you've said today, but what would be uh, our takeaway from this in terms of preparedness? Well, the, the key thing really is to acknowledge that this is an area where Preparation is important, but you can't necessarily prepare for all risks. The greatest security systems on Earth may not protect you against cyber breaches, mistakes by employees. Uh, and the, the more the world becomes linked together electronically, the greater the risks are going to magnify. And so it's key to understand the potential liabilities you're creating with your business model. And to the extent that you can limit them, limit them. But to the extent you can't, make sure that you're well protected by insurance, be that information and information technology insurance, properly worded property insurance, properly worded liability insurance, and make sure that those policies all fit together so that they don't create gaps in between them. There's risks we can control, there's risks we can't control, and for the risks we can't control, uh, insurance is key. And I presume also uh, getting a good lawyer who can advise them as to what their insurance policy says or should say. So with that in mind, David, where can our listeners get a hold of you and how can they find your email address? I am and remain a lawyer at Bellini McMurtry. Um, my uh, profile is on the website, David McKenzie. Just click on it. My phone number and email address are there. And uh, I would be happy to hear from anybody who has any questions or concerns. Thank you, David. Thank you.